This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. We have a dog. Her name is Sasha. She's almost four. She's a standard poodle. She's got curly, fluffy, soft black hair, and she's very adorable. And she's a part of our family, and we care a lot about taking good care of her. And that includes feeding her high-quality dog food like Merrick's. Founded in Hereford, Texas, Merrick has been crafting high-quality dog food for over 30 years. Real is Merrick's recipe. They always use deboned meat, fish, or poultry as the number one ingredient. Merrick creates homestyle recipes like Real Texas Beef and Sweet Potato or Grammy's Pot Pie, so you can feel good about what you're feeding your pet. I mean, you know, you come home from being out, and your dog is there to greet you, and, like, that's one of the best things about having a pet, you know? You come home, the dog's happy to see you, and they're hungry. And you want to reciprocate that good feeling they give you. When you walk in the door, you want to give to them in the form of some high-quality food. So check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Oh, I'm absolutely obsessed with food. I've been married for 11 years, and food is my husband's peace offering. Like other women like diamonds, other women like, you know, flowers. No, keep that crap. I want food. So if your husband knows that he screwed up, he makes up to you with food. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Like yesterday was my pub day for my book and it was all centered around food. He had to bust a U-turn on the freeway, go the opposite way to buy one of my favorite Nigerian delicacies from this restaurant. It's yam porridge. So it's like a yam, but then it's boiled with palm oil. So it turns orange at the end. It has crayfish. It has lots of spices and seasonings. And then it has what we call assorted meat. And he came home like you would have thought he won the NBA championship. Like he had the smile <laughs> on his face. Like, I know, like, this is it. And he just handed it to me. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> you love me. And it was so good. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies. It's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Hey, before we get to the show, I want to let you know we are taping an episode with Claire Saffitz, the Internet's most lovable baking star. She's going to be taking your questions about cooking and baking just in time for the holidays. So if you have a question, please write to me or send me a voice memo with your name and your location at hello at sporkful.com. Again, tell me your first name, your location, and your question. That's hello at sporkful.com. We might just include your question or your voice memo in our conversation with Claire. Thanks. All right, on to the show. This week, I'm talking with Dr. Wendy Acefo. She's a professor, political commentator, and one of the real housewives of Potomac. This professor doesn't just grade on the curve. She sets the curve. Wendy's the first Nigerian-American cast member on any Real Housewives show, and she's just written a memoir called Tears of My Mother. When you hear her story, it seems like every important moment of her life is punctuated by food including how she got her name. Wendy's parents are from Nigeria. They lived in the U.S. before Wendy was born. They came here to attend medical school, but in the interim, they had to work odd jobs. And one of those jobs was at a fast food restaurant. And that was the first time that my dad was able to work up the chain. So he went from a cook to this to cashier. And then one day he became manager. And having the ability to call himself a manager was like a testament to the American dream. And to thank this country for giving him the ability to be a manager and have a piece of the American pie, he named his daughter after that restaurant that gave him that opportunity. Wendy. 
<laughs> well, at least they didn't name you Burger King. Um, listen, if I was named Popeyes, I would be pissed. <laughs> pissed. When Wendy was two years old, her parents split up. Her mother, Susan Okuzu, took Wendy and her older sister and settled in Durham, North Carolina. Wendy says her mom filled their home with high expectations, intense love, and delicious food. My mom's house was like the gathering spot. She has eight other siblings. So whether she was cooking for us or cooking for her guests or cooking for her brothers, everything, the focal point was the kitchen. You would sometimes ask to help in the kitchen. And what was the response? No. I, I, it's, it's, till today, I don't know how I learned to cook. I never helped my mom in the kitchen. Not because I didn't want to, but she never invited that. She never said, hey, come here, let me, let me teach you how to make this or let me teach you how to make that. In all honesty, I didn't know the long-term ramifications. I mean, I think the first time she said no, I was like, oh, I want to help. Like, why are you saying no? But then after a while, it just became the norm. But what I realized and what I have come to realize is that that is her domain. So even though I wasn't her sous chef, I always sat there and I paid attention to conversations, but I also paid attention to what she was doing. So I learned how to cook just from watching. In her memoir, Wendy describes her mom as equal parts love and pain. She could be dismissive of Wendy's feelings, as she was in the kitchen. But at other times, she'd be caring and affectionate, like when she would show up at the school cafeteria. You know, you're in this cafeteria with other kids, and of course, you guys are like anticipating the horrible sloppy joes that are about to ensue. And here goes my mom in all her glory coming in with like a white plastic bag. And my mom would bring me like, sautéed potato wedges and smothered pork chops and mac and cheese with four different types of cheeses. And, I mean, the kids in there would just be salivating because they're like, wait, I'm stuck with sloppy joes and corn dogs? (laughs) You know what's so funny? I went to back to school night for my kids and the principal was like, Parents are welcome, you know, at lunch. You just come and sign in. However, we ask that parents don't bring any outside food in fairness to all the other students. And me and my husband look at each other. I'm like, screw you. No, I'm <laughs> I'm bringing outside food. Like, it's like I'm going to do that. Cut to Wendy with a, like a buffet cart rolling it into the cafeteria. <laughs> right. Like, this is a rite of passage for kids. Like, let's stop ruining people's childhood. <laughs> When Wendy was in middle school, her mom, Susan, got a job in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Susan didn't want Wendy and her sister to change schools, so she left the girls with their aunt, who didn't have kids. The worst part? Her aunt was also not a good cook. Like, she's the type that she would cook something, you'll take a bite, you'll be like, mm, this is great, and as soon as she turns around, you throw it in the trash. Like, that's how her food was. And I just remember not enjoying eating at all. Did you ever tell your mom that you didn't like the food at your aunt's house? Yeah, I told her I didn't like the food and she would cook for us, freeze it in the deep freezer for like five days and then ship it to us. So that was nice, but we ran through that food rather quickly because that's all we would eat. And then my my aunt, with her non-cooking self, would eat the food too. And I'm like, <laughs> lady, your food sucks. We're getting food shipped to us. You eat your sucky food. Let's eat mom's food. But, you know, 
It just didn't work out. Needless to say, we were only at my aunt's for like a few months and then my mom came and got us. With the three of them back together, Wendy's mom decided to take them to Nigeria for a visit. Wendy was 12. This was the first time she'd be in Nigeria and be old enough to really remember it. And of all the things she remembers, food is at the top of the list. You had suya, it's spiced meat, they sell it on the street, but it's not like street meat. It's like, you know it's from a farm, you know it's like fresh meat, and it is so good. They serve it in the newspaper, and then on the side of it is fresh cut onions and fresh cut tomatoes, and just a combination of the fresh cut onions, tomatoes, and the suya is like a freaking disco party in your mouth. <laughs> Were the onions that came with the suya raw or cooked? Raw. And it's only red onions. You don't do white onions. It's red onions. How thick are the onions sliced? Um, they're, they're pretty thick. It's like thick square pieces. And you would just like grab a bite, like, like a little bit of suya, onion, tomato, get it all in one bite. Boom. There you go. If you get you, crunch, if you, acidity, sweetness, juice, oh fattiness, gosh. meat. Oh, it's all there. It's it's all there on steroids. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. Like many children of immigrants, Wendy says she grew up feeling like she didn't quite fit in in her parents' home country or in America. She was exposed to the range of cultural influences that come with growing up in the U.S. But she describes her upbringing as distinctly Nigerian which she says includes an expectation of excellence. We, I'm laughing at it because it's so, it's so, it's so crazy. It's funny. Um, you can't come second place. Like you will come home and you will say, mom, I got a B. Like you're excited. Like, because quite frankly, you struggle to get this B. The first question your parent will say is, does someone get an A? And you're like, yeah. Follow-up is, so why didn't you get an A? We do not accept second best. Everything, we have to be the best at it. That's with your career. That's with relationships. It's with absolutely everything you do. Mediocrity is not accepted. Wendy also felt pressured by Nigerian cultural expectations for teenage girls. The goal of a woman is to be presentable to the point she can marry and you do not want to defile your body by doing anything that makes you seem wayward. When Wendy was in eighth grade, she rebelled against that idea. Her ears were already pierced. They had been since she was a baby. That was considered okay. But now she wanted a second piercing in only one ear, just above the first. And that would not be okay. She went for it anyway. I numbed my ear with a piece of ice and then I pierced my second hole with my own earring. And I thought I could cover it with my hair. And I was in the kitchen and something possessed me to flip my hair. And my mom grabbed my ear as hard as she could. And she was like, what is this? And I was like, and this is where I die. Like, this is it. <laughs> I'm grounded. I am weeping. She makes me take the earring out of my ear in all of this, in the backdrop, was my grandmother. My grandmother was staying with us, my mom's mother, Angela, and she didn't say a word. While me and my mom were going at it, I hear pots and pans clicking in the background. I don't pay any attention. My mom has to go to work. I'm sobbing, crying, and I plop down on the couch, and then my grandmother brings me a plate. 
And on the plate is boiled plantain and then palm oil on the side, drizzled on top of it. The palm oil, she seasoned it with uh, salt and very, very hot pepper, as we call it, ose. And she gives it to me, wipes my eyes, and she tells me, Ogadimma. And in the Igbo language, that translates to, it's going to be okay. And in that moment with that food, I felt so much comfort. I felt so at peace, and I felt like it's going to be okay. Until today, whenever something is wrong or the world just feels like it's crashing down, I make that same very simple dish, or plantain, palm oil, and I tell myself, oh, God damn, it's going to be okay. As she grew up, Wendy continued to have moments of defiance. But overall, when it came to the big things, she followed the course her mother had laid out for her. She married Eddie Acefo, also Nigerian-American. Check. When they got married, he was in law school. Check. Wendy herself really wanted to be on TV, but she knew that wouldn't fly as a career path unless she could get on TV by being an expert at something. So after finishing one master's degree, she got another and then a PhD in public affairs. She wouldn't be a doctor or a lawyer, but this was good enough to avoid disgracing the family. In the year after Wendy and Eddie got married, they were between jobs and grad schools. They moved into Wendy's mom's basement for a couple months. So Wendy was living with her mother again, but now she was an adult. She'd done everything right to earn her mom's respect. She thought maybe this would be when Susan would teach her how to cook. Maybe Wendy could learn by doing, not just watching. But when Wendy would offer to help, her mom still said no. And this time it felt different. It's one thing to say no to a kid who wants to peel vegetables. It's another thing to refuse to cook with your adult daughter. I'm like, goodness gracious, I need to learn, especially now that I'm married. Like, if I don't learn now, when am I going to learn? And it's so funny because she wouldn't let us help, but she would often complain that she didn't get any help in the kitchen. Or she wouldn't let us help, and then she will always say, when I need to get you and your sister together, we just need to go to the African market and go grocery shopping so I could teach you how to pick out, you know, the right yam or what, how to pick out the right types of meats. And I'm like, that would be awesome but she's never done it. So it's like she doesn't allow anyone to come into her territory, which is the kitchen. But then she also knows the importance of us being in her territory. Did you resent it at that time? I didn't necessarily resent it. I just knew I needed it more now than ever because I just became a married woman. I yearned for it. I wanted it. But I wasn't like actively resentful because that's how it's always been. You didn't think to question it. I didn't think to question it. But then when we moved, my mom would come to the house to cook. And that was her present. So maybe she never taught me because she didn't want to take away from that's what she does. That's where she exerts her power. That's where she she takes pride in doing that because that is her form of love. And so for you to help her in the kitchen takes away that duty. So that's why she was saying no, not because she didn't need the help, but rather because she thought that the laboring of cooking equated to how much she loved you. Right. So it's almost like if if she does less of the work, then it in her mind, it would mean that she loves you less. Exactly. It's also because of that cultural piece, meaning... In Nigerian culture, there's not 
a lot of affection. So there's not a lot of ways in which love can be shown. My mom always told me she loved me, but that is the biggest departure from how she was raised. I don't think she she remembers her mom ever telling her she loved her. Her mom showed her by clothing her, putting her through school, making sure she was okay, and praying for her. But it was never said. So with each generation, we unpeel a layer of the ways in which we show emotion and show love. I wonder, like, is there also sort of an element of control with it? Like, your your mom wanted to do all the work in the kitchen because she felt like this is how I show love. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of provides, it allows her to control part of your her relationship with you and to control you in a way that maybe wouldn't if she ceded some of that power. Man, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And I think control is one of the underlying themes of the book, is the ways in which control is administered from her vantage point as a mom. Susan's desire to control the kitchen was even more apparent once Wendy and her husband had their own kids, and especially when they hired a nanny. When my mom saw that the nanny took on some responsibilities of cooking, she saw that as a threat because she lost her stronghold of us. Until today, there's a dish that that nanny used to make. My mom makes it till today. And I'm like, why are you cooking this? Like this, like, what is this? Your mom made it and then the nanny made it and then your mom made it again or or the nanny made it first and then your mom. Yes, that's what makes it so so, odd. She took the nanny's recipe. So the nanny made it. My mom. So the nanny introduced this recipe to your family. The nanny introduced this recipe to my family. My family absolutely loved it. My mom came one day, we were eating it and Myself and then the kids and my husband were all fawning over this recipe. And my mom was like, what? No, no one's recipe should be lauded except for mine. Coming up, Wendy becomes a real housewife and brings her high Nigerian expectations and food to reality TV. Then later, she and her mom try to hash things out in the kitchen. Stick around. And now, a delicious word from our sponsors. Mm-mm, it's very good. In the Pashman household, we're already big fans of Tillamook shredded cheese. In fact, I used it in developing many recipes in my cookbook. And now I'm getting into their ice cream. Tillamook ice cream is made with more cream, so you get smooth and dreamy scoops each time. You may not realize it, but this is why a lot of the store-bought ice cream doesn't taste the same as what you get in, like, in an ice cream parlor. But with Tillamook, they don't skimp on the cream. These people know dairy, okay? Tillamook makes a great, rich vanilla ice cream with real crushed vanilla bean seeds. They have an Oregon strawberry, sweet strawberry ice cream with ripe Oregon strawberry pieces. The one that I really love is the mudslide flavor, smooth chocolate ice cream with a ribbon of rich fudge and chocolatey chips. You want to move the spoon around to get fudgy and chocolatey chips and the ice cream all in the same bite each time, and it's just so, so nice. And like I said, I just trust Tillamook when it comes to dairy. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. That's T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. 
And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn best buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. And Bogle Vineyards has so many different kinds of wine. Whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. They got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready for warmer weather? I know I am. But is your wardrobe ready? I just stocked up on spring and summer clothing at Quince. And let me tell you something. I feel great about everything I got. I got a couple of short sleeve button down shirts, polo shirt, some shorts. Everything feels great. It's super high quality. And I can't believe how much stuff I got at a reasonable price. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Whatever you need for the spring and summer, Quince has your back. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash sporkful for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sporkful to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash sporkful. I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know that peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's Sticks? They're wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate. I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Last week on the show, I talked with food TV star Nigella Lawson. She explains how her TV persona is partly an exaggeration of herself, but also a product of her own discomfort with being on camera. Nigella is very thoughtful and incisive. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's up now. Check it out. Now, back to Wendy Acefo. Today, Wendy's married with three kids and four degrees. She's a professor in the School of Education at Johns Hopkins University and a frequent political commentator on cable news, drawing on her expertise in public affairs. Even with all those commitments, she still blocks off time in her calendar most days to cook dinner for her family. She especially loves making Nigerian food. Her mom, Susan, might never have given her proper cooking lessons, but Wendy's been able to pry a lot from her. Like, I will call her and I will say, hey, mom, I'm hungry. I want to make this, this, and this. She's like, okay, I'll teach you how to make it. And in my phone, I use the notes app and I have like all of her recipes and I type it up. But what I've done is I started email accounts for all of my kids, like the moment they were born. And I've, I emailed them the recipe so they will always have it, right? Because I what I would hate is for them to be older 
and not know it. And I never want them to Google how to make jollof rice and they use some recipe from some Canadian who has no idea what the hell jollof rice is. And they're like, hmm, I wonder if that's how grandma made it. Heck no, that's not how grandma made it. So I just want them to have the authentic recipes of everything. Wendy's not only sharing these recipes with her kids. In a turn from her mom's approach, Wendy also invites her kids to help in the kitchen. And they make all kinds of food together. Well, uh, I I caved in and I bought an air fryer. I feel like such a ugh, millennial. But anyway, <laughs> uh, they love air fried chicken, which is amazing. Um, so I let them pat down the chicken to make sure it's completely dry before I let them season it. And they love to do that. And I put all types of seasonings. And their favorite thing to do is like to mix it all up. Still, in some ways in the kitchen, Wendy's become a lot like her mom. One of my biggest complaints is I always cook. I always cook. And my husband always says, but you don't have to. But I do it. I feel like I do it for the same reason my mom did it. I think I do it because it's a, it's a symbol of love. Wendy doesn't like it when she's too busy to cook and has to rely on takeout or the nanny to feed her family. I feel guilty whenever I outsource any form of parenting. I cook a lot for my kids, so I can certainly, I hear exactly what you're saying, because like, because I, I like cooking. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a nice feeling when you cook for your family and they all eat the food and like what you cooked. But there are times when you're just burnt out and you don't feel like doing it. And yeah. then you're kind of resentful that like, but now it's my job, you know, then it's not, mm-hmm. now it's not fun anymore. That's such a good point. And I think for me, because of the type of life I live, I always feel like I'm a contestant on Top Chef, and it's the quick fire challenge. There's no meal that takes me more than 45 minutes. It's never relaxing. It's never like, like, I want to be one of those people that you see in the movies who come in with the groceries. I used to do this when I was younger. I used to go grocery shopping, and I used to specifically request paper bags because that's what the movies did. And I wanted to have like a little bit at the top of like my carrots, like sticking out the top a little bit and the (laughs) loaf of bread and just carrying it. Like that's what they did in the movies. I've never had the experience of just coming in, dropping my keys, pulling my hair up, unpacking my groceries, pouring a glass of wine, turning on the music, bringing out my chopping board. And now I cut my vegetables. And then after I'm done cutting, I take a sip of wine. Never in the history (laughs) of freaking ever has that been my experience. It's like, like you could put a camera in there and it's like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm this, I'm that, I'm dashing that, I taste that. Like it's, it's chaos. Maybe someday when we're, when we're a lot older, Wendy. I hope. Then the kids are out of the house. I hope. You know, like I'll call my mom and what are you doing today? Oh, I'm making a stew. I want to make a stew. Yeah, I want something to simmer. I want to simmer. (laughs) I want something to simmer. And while it's simmer, I'm like, oh, it's simmering. Right, right. You just want to have time in your life to simmer something. Yes, I want to simmer something. That's that's my goal in life. On my bingo card of life, I want to simmer something. I think that goes within reach, Wendy. Okay, I hope so. Clearly, Wendy's busy. But for years, she felt like all her academic achievements weren't quite getting her where she dreamed of going in the world of entertainment. Then, in 2018, the producers of Real Housewives of Potomac approached her about joining the show. She had a friend who was already in the cast. 
Now, being a real housewife is very different from being a professor. Yes, there's drama among professors, you know, like at a cocktail party when one whispers to another, you know, so-and-so's data is highly suspect. But when housewives get together, people flip tables. Wendy said yes anyway. So a part of me, I'm a daredevil. Like I'm big, like I'm I'm a thrill seeker. Like I love roller coasters. And I never want to be 90 years old in my rocking chair looking out and saying, what if, for anything. And so when the opportunity for Housewives was presented, I said, why not? And when I presented to my mother, I was like, okay, mom, I'm thinking about joining Housewives. My mom said, well, if you do it, you go there and you be the best at it. I'm like, oh. All right, didn't know there was a trophy for best housewife, but yeah, mom. Right, yeah, I don't, I don't think there are rankings. Off I go to go be the best <laughs> at it. <laughs> and so that's just that's just how we operate. Right. <laughs> she also said, you've accomplished everything there is to accomplish. In her vision, I had checked off every box necessary to make her happy. So she was okay with it. So on Housewives, what role does food play? It plays a big role. Whenever the group comes together, it's usually over food. It's almost like the Last Supper, right? Because <laughs> something, something always goes down. Sometimes food is thrown, drinks are thrown. Do you think the producers try to send you to restaurants where the food served is better for throwing? <laughs> that would be genius of them. Like, tonight we're having whipped cream pies for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> How convenient. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My first season there, I had a few events, and everyone was like, Wendy is the only person on this entire show who feeds her guests real food. Because when you go to someone's house, they may say, here goes some cheese and crackers. And every time I had people over, I had like a 12-piece menu. Okay. I what do you guys have? Suya, jello fries, egusi soup, and some pound of yam. Ooh. She wants pound of yam. And I had people who wrote to me and was like, I never thought I would see Jalof Rice on national TV. And it's big for me. Nigerian food is literally part of who I am. And just being able to highlight that is amazing. Another way being on Housewives affects Wendy's cooking. We have to go to these trips. And like one year we went to Portugal and the girls were making fun of me. They're like, well, we all know Wendy cooks for two days straight before she comes on any girls trips. I do. I will make a whole menu for my kids and my husband to be okay to sustain for five days. And my other castmates are like, yeah, there's something called DoorDash. I'm like, there is, but it's different. I want them to eat my food. So, But you doing that kind of reminds me of when your mom went, uh, went to Pittsfield done that job and left you with your aunt. Yes. You see, I didn't think of that. That's that's a good one. Man, when I tell you things that we do pass on and we don't even know it, like, why am I doing these things? Like, why am I cooking in bulk? I do it all the time. I did it before I had kids because I did a study abroad and my then fiance, my now husband, was home and I made all this food and I wrote out a menu for him. I was like, on Monday you eat this, on Tuesday you eat this. I got that from my mom. Wendy's mom still looms large in her life. They live close by and Susan appears regularly on Housewives. With the show, Wendy's profile got a lot bigger. At the end of her first season, 
she started to think her longtime dream of working in media and entertainment might be within reach. It could become more than an occasional spot on cable news. And she realized she was more interested in pursuing that than she was in being a professor. Wendy floated the idea to her mom on Housewives. So I've been thinking about it, and I just don't know whether or not being a professor is what I want to do. <laughs> don't scare me like that. Don't want to go back to, no. to teaching? No, I don't. Mom, just listen, please. Okay. What I love and where I feel the most energy mm -hmm. is when I'm doing my political commentary. That's what I feel like I'm going towards that path. What, what was her concern about you leaving academia at that time? As Nigerians, being told we have to be a doctor or a lawyer or engineer is yes, because those are amazing professions, but because our parents wanted us to be in fields in which they felt was guaranteed success. And her fear was that if I left that, I would be removing the safety net from under my feet. Wendy kept thinking about making that career change. As she writes in her book, she brought it up to her mom again, this time in the kitchen. Her mom, like always, was cooking for the whole family. Wendy broke the news. She had decided she wanted to take a break from being a professor. This time, instead of just laughing it off, Susan responded, I'll be very disappointed if you leave your professorship, but I can't stop you. This wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement, but as Wendy writes, I would not get her approval on this decision, but she acknowledged her control over me was waning. And then, there in the kitchen, Susan did something that showed another part of their relationship was changing. She's there in the kitchen, and in that moment, I say to myself, well, let me see if I can cook with you. And so I ask her, I say, you know, do you need help in the kitchen? And for the first time, she actually says yes. And we stand side by side for the first time, and we cook together. It was something that really made me look at her for the first time, not, not, not as an equal, because your parents can never be your equal, but it felt as though she not only loved me, but she respected me. And that meant a lot. Did she say anything acknowledging this was the first time you were cooking together? No, she didn't necessarily say anything, but it was more so her actions. She would pass me vegetables to cut for her, which meant something. Because my mom cuts her okra in such a meticulous way that she takes half of it and slices it on a cutting board and then takes the other half and grates it with the grater so the soup can have different textures. And she doesn't let anyone touch her okra. And so her giving that to me, I was like, this is it. I've made it. <laughs> I made it. She didn't let me season, though, <laughs> which, which is fine. I can, I can respect that.
That's Dr. Wendy Acefo. Her book, Tears of My Mother, is out now. Get it wherever books are sold. And we're picking three lucky winners who will get a free copy of Wendy's book. All you get to do is sign up for our newsletter by November 21st, and you'll be entered into this and all of our giveaways. People on our mailing list get access to all kinds of cool things. For instance, if you had signed up just a couple weeks ago, you would have heard that that Claire Saffitz episode I referenced is going to be taped in front of a live, very small, very select audience, and only people on our newsletter had a chance to get the tickets. So cool stuff like that's going to happen again. Just get on the list now, then you'll always be entered. Sign up for our newsletter now by going to sporkful.com slash newsletter. That's sporkful.com slash newsletter. And even if you're not one of the lucky ones coming to our live show with Claire Saffitz, you can still ask Claire a question about cooking or baking. Send me a voice memo with your first name, location, and question at hello at sporkful.com. Finally, if you can't get enough of The Real Housewives, I want you to check out the original recap podcast, Bitch Sesh, a Real Housewives breakdown with Casey Rose Wilson and Danielle Schneider. It's brought to you by our friends at Earwolf. Bitch Sesh has followed all the cities and all the housewives for seven years, and they have a great community of listeners for you to feel safe about dishing your love of reality TV, however glamorous or trashy. Listen, I, I'm not judging, okay? Janie has, is a hardcore Real Housewives fan and has been pretty much since the beginning. Okay, so uh, whatever floats your boat, I hope you like it, and I hope you check out Bitch Sesh because that is like the original Real Housewives podcast community, okay? Every week, Casey and Danielle catch up with amazing guests. They review each city's episode and break down what is really happening with your favorite housewives. So check out Bitch Sesh podcast wherever you listen. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer... Emma Morgenstern. And producer... Andres O'Hara. Our editor is... John Delore. Additional editing by... Devin DeComo. Our engineer is... Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Eric Eddings and Colin Anderson. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Mallory in Washington, D.C., reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. 
This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.